The reading is taken from Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 40, and you'll find this on page 1028 of your Bibles. Jesus presented in the temple. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you very much. I've always been fascinated about how things work. I remember as a small child, maybe three or four, uh, receiving a clockwork train set. I soon got very bored about watching this train going round and round, and I just wanted to dis dismantle it, take it to bits, and find out actually how did this thing work. Of course, at that age, I could take them to bits okay, <coughs> but I could never put them back together again. Uh, for my uh, Christmas when I was four years old, I asked my parents for a chemistry set. Uh, they thought I was too young to be playing with Bunsen burners, and uh, even if they were just <coughs> lit by methylated spirits. But um, 
Instead, what they did was um, made a sort of a safe chemistry set out of all sorts of safe household ingredients that I could play with and do my own experiments. So I can tell you from that mixing fairy liquid and custard powder and chocolate chips doesn't make anything of any use at all. <laughs> Jan's dream was, when she was very little, was to be a ballet dancer. Uh, as a teenager, that changed, and she wanted instead to marry a pop star um, or to run a multinational company. She fantasized about um, dropping back at school in a big, big car to impress her teachers. Often our childhood dreams fade as we get older. But in the Bible reading that we just heard this morning about Simeon, we hear about a man whose dreams did come true, and in a way which is even more wonderful than he ever imagined. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for Simeon. Thank you for the dream that you gave him and the way in which you fulfilled that in such a wonderful way. Please speak to each one of us this morning and help us to receive a dream from you for our lives. Amen. The Old Testament law states that there should be three ceremonies following the birth of a baby boy. The first ceremony was of circumcision, which took place when a child was eight days old. That was also normally the occasion for giving the child its name. And as we've heard, Mary's child was given the name Jesus, which was the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew name Joshua, which meant the Lord is salvation. After this, uh, if it was the firstborn baby, then there was the rite of consecration. And once again, this was to satisfy the demands of the law. God had said to Moses, consecrate to me every firstborn male. And then 40 days um, after the birth, there was to be the ceremony of purification for the mother. And that involved sacrificing a lamb or a pigeon. However, if the couple were poor and they couldn't afford a lamb, they could make the poor man's offering of just two pigeons. Our Bible reading today is being read through churches throughout the world because it is 40 days since Christmas. I don't know quite how many there are to next Christmas, but I know for certain it's 40 days since last Christmas, uh, which is why churches read the story about the consecration of Jesus in the temple. And so Jesus, born in Bethlehem, had already been circumcised, had already been given a name. Now he's six weeks old and Mary and Joseph make the relatively short journey from Bethlehem to Jerusalem, only about eight miles, to carry out the last of these two ceremonies, the consecration of Jesus and the purification of Mary. Now, how do you imagine Mary? I often think uh, my mental picture of her has been influenced by the various works of art, paintings, stained glass windows that I've seen in churches. Usually it's a picture of a young woman 
uh, with a halo over her head, uh, a gentle face, a serene smile. The impression that uh, we're looking at a woman who's deep, deeply at peace and in total control of her situation. Is that how you imagine Mary? Well, as we read the first couple of chapters of Luke, we get a very different picture. There's good reasons to think that, that Luke wrote these chapters after he'd personally met with Mary later in her life, because most of the events in the first two chapters of Luke are described from Mary's perspective. And what you see there is a picture of a teenager who at times is struggling to make sense of everything that's happening to her. It started with the appearance of an angel, enough to frighten anyone, and it certainly frightened Mary. Don't be afraid, the angel said. Then the angel told her that she was going to have a baby, even though she was still a virgin, enough to confuse anyone, and it certainly confused Mary. How will this be, she said. And then on the day that her son is born, a group of shepherds tell her the amazing things that have just happened about a host of angels and were left hearing that Mary was left pondering what this meant in her heart. And now 40 days later in the temple, she's faced with another one of these life-changing experiences. I guess there were several people, several proud parents in the temple that day, all of them with little babies all of them doing the things that the Old Testament said that they should do on the 40th day. In fact, there were probably proud parents at the temple every day, just like there is in any registry office in the UK. But today would be different. An old man was there. Simeon was his name. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. I say he was an old man, but Luke actually doesn't mention his age. They were later joined by a woman called Anna, who Luke describes as being very old. But he doesn't tell us how old Simeon is. I doubt he was as old as Anna. But the, we get the impression that he was old just because of the things that he says. The Holy Spirit had told Simeon that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah the one that all Israel had been waiting for. And when Simeon sees Jesus, he just knows that this is the one. He takes the baby in his arms and begins to praise God. Lord, now let your servant go in peace. Your word has been fulfilled. My own eyes have seen the salvation which you have prepared in the sight of every people. A light to reveal you to the nations and the glory of your people, Israel. In some ways, Simeon's words remind me of the speech made by Martin Luther King when he said, like any man, I would like to live, but it really doesn't matter anymore because I've been to the mountaintop and I've seen the promised land. King there was referring to the illustration of Moses who had the privilege of seeing the promised land before his death. And the same way Simeon has seen God keep his promise. Of course, Martin Luther King was only 39 when he died. So perhaps Simeon was a younger man after all. 
But Simeon's words remind me of the parable that Jesus would tell 30 years later. The parable of the pearl of great price. Jesus said, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he finds one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. The merchant finds a pearl which is so spectacular that he realizes that nothing else really matters as long as he has that. And so he sells everything that he has in order to buy it. And in doing that, he's got himself a real bargain. Yes, he might have paid millions of pounds for it, but because he believes it's priceless, it's a price worth paying. And so when Simeon sees with his own eyes and holds in his own arms the Messiah, he knows that this is the pearl of great price. Nothing else really matters anymore because he knows the Messiah the Saviour has come. Advertisers might try to persuade us that the ultimate experience in life is owning a top-range car, wearing the right designer clothes, or drinking the right brand of beer. But Simeon could truthfully say that knowing Jesus is the ultimate experience in life. Nothing in the world comes close to matching that. He's worth more than every pearl on the planet. And so we read of Mary being amazed at what Simeon said about her son. The presentation of Jesus in the temple is one of the great events of history which we celebrate today, 2,000 years later. But who are the main characters that are involved? Well, there's a baby a teenage mother, her husband, a probably old man, and a very old woman. And it reminds me that in God's plans, people of all ages are involved. Back in the first century, the elderly were treated with great respect, but children and young people were often treated as second-class citizens. In our own society, things are often the, re the reverse it's older people who often are neglected, or too often older people can be seen as a drain on our resources for our society. But that's not how things work in God's plans. He wants young and old to work together to bring about his purposes. Just think about how many key people in the Bible were either very young or very old. There was Abraham, did you know that he was 75 when God first called Abram to leave his people? And he first received God's promise that his offspring would become a great nation. That was quite young compared to, to Moses, who was 80, when God first spoke to him through the burning bush, which was to mark the beginning of his life's ministry. But at the other end of the age range, we have Samuel, just a young boy, when God first spoke to him. Age is not an issue with God. What he wants is people who are willing to listen to him and to be obedient to him. In our Bible reading, we saw how God was able to use people of all ages to bring his purposes about. 
And this is one of the things that I really value about our own church here at St. Paul's, is the way that young and old are working together. I do come across elsewhere churches that are full of older people whose congregations are slowly getting smaller. And there's a deep concern that once they've gone, the church will close. Equally, there are some churches that are full of young people, but they can lack the experience and wisdom that more mature members bring. So I'm grateful that here we have such a broad spectrum of people of all ages, for we all have much to learn from each other. It must have been a very difficult year for Mary. She'd been frightened, confused, she'd pondered and been amazed. But in the midst of this turmoil, God sends Simeon with a message that she will never forget. And it's a message that's important for us too. It's a message that speaks both of hope and of pain. It's a message which paints a global picture, but is also intimately personal. The global picture and the hope is that the waiting is nearly over. God's rescue plan for the world has already begun. Salvation was not just for the people of Israel, but it was to be for the whole world, for all the nations. And it begins here with this six-week-old baby. And it's a message that God shared with Simeon so that Simeon could share it with Mary. Mary went on to share it with Luke, and Luke shares it with us so that we can share it with others. That's what missional discipleship is all about. It's about sharing the good news of Jesus, that Jesus is the savior of the world. And you can sense the great excitement and hope that that message brought. When Anna, the old woman, joins in, she, we read that she never left the temple but worshiped day and night, fasting and praying. And coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. And we too, as we worship here week by week, need to allow God's message, allow God to help us to capture or recapture the excitement of that message. But Simeon's message was also tempered with realism. It's not going to be easy, he says. It's interesting how each of the gospel writers, as they start to tell their version of the story of Jesus, they each drop hints at the very beginning of that story that it's not going to be plain sailing. You may remember how Matthew does that by telling us the story of Herod who kills all the baby boys in, <clears throat> in Bethlehem in an attempt to kill Jesus. Or how Mark does that at the beginning of his gospel, describing the opposition that Jesus immediately faced from demons and religious leaders shortly after his baptism. Or how John does it in his gospel, more poetically in his prologue, where he says Jesus was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And Luke does it through the words of Simeon, 
Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, to be a sign that is spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. I wonder if Mary, as she stood at the foot of the cross, watching her son die, I wonder if she thought back to those words that Simeon had said to her 30 years earlier. And this has been my experience too. If we are to be missional disciples, then we can expect opposition. The joy of following Jesus is always mixed with pain. In fact, Jesus himself said that if we're to be his followers, we must take up our cross and follow him. All of that would be in the future. But in the moment, Simeon was there rejoicing in the fact that his dream had been fulfilled. He literally held his dream in his arms. This six-week-old baby. Do you have a dream? I no longer dream of being a great scientist or inventing any, something really amazing. Jan no longer dreams of being a ballet dancer. Do you still dream of marrying a pop star? <laughs> Our dreams have changed over the years. They've been replaced by new dreams. Sometimes those dreams have fallen away. Sometimes they've been fulfilled. Do you have a dream? Is it a dream that's tempered with realism? Is it a dream of your own imagination? Or is it a dream that God has laid on your heart? Let's stand to pray. <coughs> Heavenly Father, as we prayed earlier, we do thank you for Simeon. For the dream that he had, not one that he dreamt of himself, but a dream that you laid on his heart. We thank you for the joy that that brought to him as that dream was fulfilled. We pray, Lord, that you lay a dream on our hearts too. And as we stand before you, we pray that through your Holy Spirit, you may speak to us and give us your dream. going to stay in the silence for a couple of minutes and allow the Lord to minister to us.
as we said earlier, God loves each one of us by name and has something for each one of us, not just the people around us, but for you. So ask him to show you what he has for you. to ask the Lord as well what's getting in the way of stepping into what God is calling you to do what he has for you so we're praying before the service uh, we sense that there we're all damaged in different ways but some are carrying particularly heavy load inwardly and if that's you I want to encourage you to just ask the Lord to come and start to minister to that Whatever it is, he's promised to carry your burdens and bring a healing to those inner things of pain. Someone had a picture of a rhino. Some of us cover up all this stuff with a very sort of tough hide and uh, an aggressive stance to the world around. But the Lord loves you. And just invite him in to come and minister to whatever it is that's getting in the way. Lord, we pray as we wait in the stillness, you would both put dreams or fresh dreams of what you're calling us to do. Perhaps for some, what they were working towards has been done and you need to put a fresh dream in them. And for others, it's about releasing people from being trapped in the past. But come, Lord, by your spirit in increasing measure and in this time of quiet, minister to us. For anyone who's felt they're too old, Lord, thank you for Simeon and Anna and that you minister to all of us and have things for us to give into your service, whatever age we are. For some who felt they're too young or too something else, come, Lord, by your spirit and minister to each one. So we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would call us to follow you more closely, that you would set us free from what gets in the way, that you would put something on our heart that you're calling us to do and give us grace to go after it with all our heart and following the leading of your spirit as Simeon did. And we pray you'd continue to minister to us now by your spirit as we sing again and lift our eyes to you. And all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.